Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm not your host, George. And I'm Travis. And I'm Dan, allegedly. Allegedly, reportedly. Pulling up the rear. Supposedly. And George, we just pulled you out of the murky Amity Bay after experiencing a somewhat traumatic summer swim. How you doing, sir? Uh, Traumatized. Yeah? As I should be. As you should be. Are you ready to go back in the water? No. I never did like the water anyway. Mm. Now I have now I have a great excuse never to go in there. there Not a go. beach person. Yeah, but as that is some bad hat Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. That is a bad hat Harry. <laughs> Travis, I don't remember what TV show used that, but they used that as their bumper at the end of the show every time. I don't know if it was Cheers or. I don't know. How are you doing tonight, Travis? I'm doing good. This is one of your all time faves. Are you excited? I don't know. Your tone tells me you didn't like it, so I'm assuming... Uh... My tone? <laughs> you just assume I didn't huh? like no, it. No, I'm talking Dan, tone. Okay. I, li- I, uh, I liked it. It was fine. I'd never seen it before all the way through, and right. here we are. And I th- I think I sound chipper as hell. I don't know what you're hearing. It's a, It's definitely a... Cat, uh, what do you, it's categorized as nostalgia, Travis-like. I know if I saw it for the first time today, I would be going... Hmm. I think you're really putting but, the cart before the horse here. We haven't even asked George if he liked it yet. This is true. This is true. Hey, George, did you like the movie? I did. There you go. You want to talk about it a little bit? Uh, yeah. yeah There's a, a couple things. Immediately, right in the beginning, I'm thinking, you know, the mayor wants to put people's lives at risk mm-hmm. to keep their economy open. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That would never happen in real life. Never, never. going to happen. Never, never. Only with dinosaurs, <laughs> not with sharks or viruses. No, but <laughs> that was a really good, really stressful scene. Like the first scene, not the first scene, but the first time you see the beach open when it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. It's and set up purposely like that. Yeah, and it's really just like everyone having fun at the beach. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know about what happened last night, it would just be a day at the beach. Right. But like all this, this regular stuff is happening and, and it's like stressing you the freak out, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the way it's, it's made. You, you're in on it, so you know. Yeah, it's good stuff. But no one else knows, but then they, Spielberg does a very good job at building that tension that, you know, even Brody knows that what's happening or could happen, he would, he's not at fault. For? He knows it's the mayor's well, he, fault. Well, he kind of is. Well, he's the one who told him to close everything, and then they collaborated and said, nah, it could have been so, a propeller, it could have been yeah, something else, so that, they manipulated him. That scene. And he was new. You got to remember that. He was new to the town. He he was a, kind, of, kind of a yes man. Okay, that scene yeah, that you're talking about on the, like, with the car on the- When they're on the like, ferry. Car boat On the whatever. ferry, yeah. Is that a ferry? I thought a ferry yeah, was a ferry. bigger than that. Um, But anyway- he folded like really quick. Yeah, he folded. Like he was just like he just looked at the medical examiner and was like, the job, "Are you gonna back? Are you gonna back this?" And he was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Okay." Yeah. If you're new on the like, job and you don't really know where you stand, where your place is, that's why I like later on when he says, "I'm I'm the fucking chief. I'm gonna we're gonna cut that shark yeah, open. I can do what I want." Yeah. Like yeah. It, that's when he became Brody, and he yeah. basically said he, he kind of separated himself from the the economy people. 
Yes. Which I like. To me, I mean, I know I know Dan's issues with this movie are the shark and the this and the that. Who cares about Dan? Right. Let's talk about me. For me, <laughs> this movie, I love this movie for the acting, for the suspense, for sure. the script, for the story. Yes, there are th- problems with it, but not anything but to do it, with there, those No things. one has brought up any problems right. yet. I'm just saying for me, like <laughs> I said, Nostalgia Travis loves this movie. Were you disappointed see... in it when you watched it yesterday? <clears throat> no, I watched it with the whole family and the, the jumps happened when they were supposed to happen and my wife flipped out a few times and she's seen it. So it was perfect for me. I didn't okay. have any problems with it other than wa- trying not to watch it through your eyes. <laughs> well, and I'm like, he's going to have a problem with that. He's going to like that. He's not going to like that. And then I was worried about Dan because... I knew he hadn't seen it before. I know he knows the story. I know he knows the images and the iconic one-liners and this and that. But right. to actually sit and watch it from beginning to end changes how you're going to watch it. Hi, this is Dan in production. Like, we haven't even finished <laughs> wrapping yet. And this movie was fine. I don't know why Travis thinks I'm going to hate it. The acting was cool. The <laughs> development was great. The robot shark looked freaking awesome for 1974 whenever they made yes. this movie. Yes, it did. It was awesome. They did a good job of not showing me the shark enough that I could start picking it apart. And when it did attack, it was so brutal that I couldn't mm-hmm. help thinking, like, if I was an audience member in the 70s, I would never want to swim in the ocean because the, yeah. the, the brutality of the attacks juxtaposed to the rest of the movie is off the scale. Like, it's fantastic. That poor, that poor Kittner boy. Holy mackerel. <laughs> like, that shark yeah. was rolling over and, oh, yeah, no, it's bad. This movie was fine. Like, I should have watched <laughs> okay. it years ago. I don't know what was wrong with me. Guys, if you haven't seen this movie, go check it out. So that was another thing that I was going to say. Okay. Which was that I thought I was going to see, like, a robot shark mm-hmm. the whole time. I didn't. And that was a good thing. Yeah, they took like, the basically the formula that Alien used later, where it's like, let's show them just enough, show them yeah. little snippets, little this and that, and it to me it builds. This is a a clinic on suspense, like, and then you finally get to the end, and the payoff is good. You know, Quint to me, Quint is the best character in the movie, and to see the the end and how that goes, like, it's so satisfying that everybody kind of has a an arc. And a climax mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a justification and then an end. I know I had a climax. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of Psycho. Mm. I was thinking the, uh, you know, the sound of the knife is worse than, you know, what they could ever show you. Right. And so there was lots of stuff like that. I mean, yeah. Like you see the, a lot of the times you see like the carnage afterwards. Mm-hmm. You don't actually see the attack but you see like that float like the yeah. float that the little boy was on it's almost like symbolism like yeah they're it's just like showing you it's just like uh like dan like said the brutality what of that it. must have looked like or that what that must have been the autopsy scene mm-hmm. when the they didn't uh, even show the body no no didn't just have to. his reaction mm-hmm. and his the way he you know the way he was explaining it as he was like you know kind of recording it and everything I love Dreyfus in this movie oh Dreyfus oh, yeah. is an pro- mvp my gosh yes yes yeah I was saying to Jen, I'm like, what? watch, like when he was taking the stuff out of the shark's again, stomach. Again, again. Oh, man. All you, all you, he, uh, just, you hear things? Yeah. You hear, you hear him, like, you hear, like, metal against rubber kind of sound, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you know but he's him going gasping. through the skin. Like, you, he was yep. so good at playing that that smelled so bad. Yeah. It was almost like Silence of the Lambs, where yes. they were doing the, the autopsy scene yes. as well. But when he's given the, in the first autopsy, when he's given the 
play by play what he's doing, what he's finding. Like he's 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 not phoning it in. He's doing some really good stuff in that scene. I think they all are. I didn't see one one weak link. Even the mayor, although he was a little over dramatic and a little more uh, caricaturish, uh, he still yeah. landed well. He was okay. The grieving mother, although mm. she was only in here for like fifteen seconds to tell you know mm-hmm. the police chief that it was all his fault. That performance was lacking, but she's a minor, you know, right. in and out character. I mean, it's whatever. But yeah, but all the rest of the was acting set. was fantastic. Yeah. She got her point across. Sure. Like her, more of her acting came from the scene where she couldn't find her son. Like she kind of, I guess she kind of blew, blew it all there. Yeah. And then later on, I, I'm thinking it might be directing where the director's like, you know, you just came up from, from a funeral from your son. I think she played it a little too melodramatic with anger. Like it was kind of hard to figure out which emotion she was given. So it probably might've affected her performance. I but. don't know. That autopsy scene where he's, I guess it's like the shark autopsy when he's pulling the stuff out and like mm-hmm. retching. Shark topsy. Have you shark guys ever topsy. watched any of those YouTube <laughs> videos where people open up cans of Sir Strumming? The, I don't know if that's how you say it. The Swedish canned fish that like there yeah, is a dish no. that you can make with this stuff. But if you're a dumb American and you want to make a gross video on YouTube, all you have to do is open the can and immediately everyone in the room starts retching because it smells so bad. Uh, was it like chum? It's just like, it, it, it's so gross. It's, it's fish uh, bits. It's like it, it's halves right. of fish in some kind of sauce in a can. But it's like, it's like Swedish spam. Yeah, yeah, but it's like instant dry heaves. And so it makes for good YouTube <laughs> content. But it reminded yeah. me a lot of that shark, shark autopsy. But Drive is so good. Brody's so good. Oh, yeah. Quint, so good. Like the top three. I got to tell you, this Spielberg guy might be going places. Seems like a pretty good director. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you yeah, know it's a good movie when the it's a movie about a killer shark and the best scene is three guys at a table talking. Oh, yeah. man. And just like the that, well-placed, that, uh, you know, the slapping the table and the shark hitting the mm-hmm. boat and like the way that it just overlaps long enough that they don't notice it at first, but you know it and the dramatic irony spikes. Yeah, real good. Mm-hmm. And they're comparing scars. Yeah, that comparing was scars. <laughs> the 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 bomb monologue. Uh, what the uh, the Indianapolis, the the SS. Yeah, the sinking of the boat. Yeah, yeah. classic. Yeah, well, after they delivered the bomb. Classic. And they were yeah that that whole monologue was like just wow. That's the one that everybody. Other than the you're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah. Uh, the line where he's like uh you know. He's, Roll, it's, it's like a doll's eyes, like people say it all the time. Yeah, and uh, you know they roll back. What does he say? Like if eighteen hundred men went into the water and only three hundred came out, I don't know. Something so it's like, like Titanic. Yeah, but they were being picked off one by one, which is worse. Ugh. Way worse. And the ending, <laughs> Jen goes. Well, I guess I guess he's not going to get his ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm like, oh I'm like, God. wait, what? <laughs> Dan, did you adjust that for inflation? I didn't. No, <laughs> no. But I imagine we... from seventy one to because what was the last comparison we did? It was. I don't remember. I don't remember. But you're talking about easily, you know, fifty grand. I think it was. I was psycho. Thinking. Psycho. When you calculated how much money she stole, that might have been the last time we did that. 
or Jurassic Park when we talked about the Westworld. <laughs> oh, that's right. The the budget oh. comparison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I hold do on. have a question. What year was this? Nineteen seventy five. Seventy five. Ten thousand bucks. Uh fifty grand. Well, wow, forty nine, two thirty three. Look at me guessing with no Look at you. Yeah. All right, you're getting good at this. I know. Hmm. Look at me. Got a whole second career coming. Guessing numbers that could easily be figured out on a calculator. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I I did have a question that maybe you guys could answer. Shoot. More eyes on the story. The scene where the two fishermen throw the meat with the hook in the water from the yes. dock. Yes. Mm-hmm. The shark pulls that, mm-hmm. which yanks the dock. Mm-hmm. Then it comes back around. Mm-hmm. But once the fisherman gets out of the water, the dock continues to float towards the shore. No shark. Mm-hmm. Tides? I thought to myself, which makes it even scarier, that that shark never never bit into that meat. That shark pulled that chain to knock the dock down. He was never hooked. Hmm. Which makes it more malicious. Maybe. Like more calculating. Or maybe he was, just broke the chain because mm. they didn't realize it was a 25-foot shark. Yeah, but I mean, there's... Well, possibly. I don't know. I don't know. To me, it just made it more I don't scary know. that he purposely pulled that dock to pull those guys in the water. No, nah, I don't think so. No? No. Hmm. We need to get Steven Spielberg on the I line. I think he was hooked. I think he was hooked to a point. Because that wasn't a fish hook. That was a meat hook. That was like, there's no getting yeah, that out without yeah. killing the shark. Well, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, it's a big shark. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't, he could have just swallowed that and been fine. I mean, he couldn't even get that, that uh, air tank out of his mouth. Well, he was so. trying to eat it. <laughs> um, no, I'm the, I, the way I interpreted it was, you know, the, the shark took the, took the line, broke the dock, and the, obviously it was like, it was, you know, tied around or, or you know, just around the post mm-hmm. of the dock. And then when the dock gives way, the chain just goes Let's right go. off the top of the post because there's nothing holding it from the top, right? So I figured the chain was gone and the dock was just floating back. It was coming with force. Well, it looked yeah, like it at was. At some point. But like maybe if you think that, it's it's coming this way, and you're like, in the moment, are is that being pulled by a huge shark? I don't know, or is it just floating towards me? I don't know. It's kind of mm. fast, you know, like like the adrenaline makes it seem like it's something it's not. That's the way I interpreted right. it. It was just the dock was floating back in because tide. Gotcha. And the shark the shark was long gone. That's how I I interpreted it. But Mrs. What's her face is definitely the shark's mom. Mrs. Lippman? Yeah, Mrs. <laughs> Lippman is definitely the shark's mom. I don't know. We'll see what Dan and Post says. For sure. <laughs> the signs are everywhere. I'm going to have to listen to the uh, the commentary track and see if they talk about that. Because it just made, made it more interesting to me. It doesn't change anything. It just makes it more uh, calculating and yeah. malicious. Just like when it faked them all out and went into the bay. When they were yeah. all watching the ocean. And I'm thinking, you know, that's a pond, right? Well, well obviously, it's, the pond. they call it the pond, it's but the it's bay. the bay, right? Yeah. But it looked like it would be too shallow 
in some of the shots. And I was like, that's why he's sending him over there because it's like, you know, maybe three foot deep or, deep mm-hmm. or something. Well, know? they purposely say at one point, some I think Brody says it that to uh to what's what's uh Dreyfus's character can't remember his Hooper. name, but he's that Hooper. That's right, Hooper. Yeah, right. So they have that conversation about how deep the water a great white will come into, and he did say like, you know, knee knee deep, thigh deep, three feet. Yeah, three feet, ten feet from the shore. But they or weren't talking about the twenty-five foot shark, right? <laughs> they were talking about a regular, you know, fifteen, twenty. That's not really even regular, but this one was twenty-five. I don't. I'm not a sharkologist. Yeah. You know what else I thought? Like final thoughts on this movie. This is. Are we already in the final thoughts? This is Moby Dick, but better. Oh yeah. Moby Dick, but better. Hmm. Yeah, because. Uh, Brody and Quint both face their fears. Hooper too. I guess they all do. Yeah. Hmm. I just love that beginning. And it's funny we kind of watched the. Uh, you know, did you ever see Ace Ventura? I've seen parts of it. There's mm. a scene where he Put gets a shark later. attack. Yeah. Where he what? He he's involved in a shark attack and he does that in the pool. He's pulled in like nine directions and he's like <laughs> going. Blah! Yeah. And then he just goes underwater and he comes back up. And I said, the, they saw, my kids saw that part. And I was like, uh, I said, now you know where that came from. Right. Because they watched it last night. And then they, they're starting to make connections like we do. Right. Uh, we're, like, we're, I can't remember. We were watching something on Disney and, and they did the mirror gag from Shaun of the Dead and American Werewolf. Where the guy's looking in the mirror and then he closes the mirror and you see somebody standing there. Oh, yeah. And they did that on a show, and Gabe was like, oh. oh so he yeah, knew I where see, it was from. I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to start seeing all that stuff. Yay. I'm proud of him for making <laughs> it through this movie, because there are parts that are pretty intense. Oh, God, yeah. I was shocked he made it through. I think because it was all of a sudden. It wasn't like something he could prepare himself for. It was just like it happened, and then it was done. Yeah, you can't like mentally like get in your own head about it too much, because by mm-hmm. the time you do, it's over. And Spielberg does such yeah. a good job at teasing, 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 and then smacking you in the face. Like, you get the, the dog chasing the stick, and mm-hmm. then there's no dog. And mm-hmm. the guy's, like, yelling the dog's name, but you mm-hmm. never see the dog go under. Nope. And then teasing this and that, and then all of a sudden you see the Kittner boy being, you know, barrel attacked with, like, sprouting water and blood everywhere. And it's like, oh, my God. I was hoping it was going to be the fat lady. <laughs> But I think my kids were thinking that too because as soon as they saw her, they were like, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was purposely done too. Do you think it's interesting that two weeks removed from Poltergeist, we're back to Spielberg and Hooper again? Mm. I think that's weird. (laughs) What, you mean like Toby Hooper? No, the character Hooper in this movie. That's weird. Like, that's a a weird specific name. Yeah. But it doesn't have anything to do with Toby Hooper. It's just weird. It's just a weird thing. Yeah, that is a weird coincidence. Spielberg has a lot of growth between 75 and 82 with Poltergeist. Yeah, there's a lot. You can can even see in five, six years the difference in his ability to tell a story. Interesting. This week, I got the opportunity to see a movie uh, by Toby Hooper called Eaten Alive, which he did after Chainsaw but before he did Poltergeist. And let me tell you, it was Mm. eye-opening, guys. Turns out, stick with me here, Toby Hooper did not direct Poltergeist. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wait, that's what? what I've learned from from watching right. other movies of his. Is that it's just not possible. It's just not the no. same guy. It's just okay. Right. It's just Spielberg. Like I don't know why and how, and I don't know the contract situation that prevented him from having his name on both. But geez, Louise, guys, mm. a bait and switch. Oh man, shenanigans! Hollywood or shenanigans. A very good way to warn your audience subtly that this movie that you're about to see is very scary. And then when mm. parents get mad, you can be like, what? To- Texas Chainsaw Guy did it. Why didn't you do your research, parents? And then it's their <laughs> fault they took their kids to a scary movie. Well, Jaws Guy made E.T., so. Well, that's true. Hmm. Yeah. Jaws reminds me a lot of Friday 1 and 2 with the, like, don't show the scary killer guy, you know? Yeah. But then Friday 3 screws it up. Well, so does Jaws 3. <laughs> <laughs> remember when we were talking about bad 3d movies i don't plan on exploring the sequels yeah the sequel mm. i don't need sequels to this movie this is a one and done for now this should have been one and done yeah i do enjoy the brody character so jaws 2 i don't mind it so much because the characters are so good and you get you get kind of fulfillment in that but there, it's not necessary to tell another shark story no this is this is a once in a lifetime is is Dreyfus back? I don't remember if Dreyfus... Uh, he might make an appearance, but I don't know if he's in the whole thing. My opinion is, uh, if you could do a Dreyfus and Brody movie, and it can even involve, like, you know, a conspiracy and all these things that are happening in Jaws, and just give me something right. different than a 26-foot shark, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm fine with that. I uh, There's places to go with these characters, but man, conveniently that guy finds another huge shark. Mm-mm. No thanks. Um, I don't know. It might be the same one. Uh, they blew that whole the head same off one that shark. It's burned in the second oh, one. Geez, oh jeez! Oh god! It's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't know. Maybe it was like a no. Please no. A scarred shark from some other time, but it's definitely got burns on it. Uh, so they pulled. Yeah, they did that. <laughs> they did a thing. It turns out it's the shark's child who saw the first shark exploded. <laughs> Has come back for revenge with its Killer sack on mommy. its head. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Now I would have, I would have even liked like a, just a courtroom drama where Brody, like all the characters are on trial and they're going back and forth and, the, like you don't even need a shark with those guys for what they're, hunting without a license. What what? No, for maybe uh, liability for the Kittner kid and something else. Yeah, you open the beach okay. and you like, knew there's a shark and yeah, you we've got Hooper here who's going to testify against the mayor. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I would watch that. And then you could probably trickle in maybe another couple attacks that aren't a great white or something just to kind of keep the theme. Well, guys. The characters are solid. Not that we're smarter than the people that made Jaws 2. But in the book uh, that Jaws is based on, I was reading on the Wikipedia today because I I was interested. Uh, There's this whole subplot where Hooper's banging Brody's wife. Really? So imagine a Jaws 2... Hooper is banging Brody's wife and testifying against the mayor, and Brody has to decide, does he pick the side of right, but then the side who's banging his wife, or does he pick the side of wrong and try to protect his job? Guys, that's a real movie. That is a real movie. I kind of want to see that movie. (laughs) Copyright uh, Remedial Film Class Podcast. Can we put a mail it to yourself? Can we put a mechanical shark in there somewhere? I'm sure. Can we, we have can... flashbacks, dream sequences? Here you go. I got it. <laughs> you do that storyline. The mayor has 
found a millionaire to fund a shark themed amusement park in Amity. Amity. Okay. The park has animatronic sharks. Okay. Right? Yep. During the summer, the animatronic (laughs) sharks start attacking people. Oh my God. (laughs) And the paying customers expected it because they knew that the animatronic sharks were part of the show. Just saying. You got Westworld, Jurassic Park, and Jaws all in one movie. And Indecent Proposal. <laughs> I like it. I kind of don't hate it. I'm sure that all this is better than Jaws 2, so I'm not even going to watch that movie. It's definitely better than Jaws 3, but yeah, it's better than Jaws 2. What about Cruel Jaws? <laughs> Did you know that... Uh, you guys know I love my Italian genre movies. Did you know yeah. there was a shark... like? Uh, group of movies like the Jallo and like the westerns they did a whole bunch of shark movies really like sharknado but 40 years ago like jaws but like way worse and like they'd borrow wow. footage from other movies one of them actually stole footage from one of the jaws movies like really shamelessly without paying for hmm. it and then just like mixed in shark footage with new terrible actors yeah they're horrible skip them i do not recommend them can, uh, was that a case of where like the Italians stole from the Americans? Yeah, sounds like, like it. Mm-hmm. The well, that's, Italian... that's what usually happens. It's just it just so happens that the Jallo led to the slasher, but the Jallo was just ripping off Hitchcock. So, oh yeah, word. Yeah. Hmm. It was doing now, a lot more than just ripping off Hitchcock. I don't want to get slapped by the Jallo crowd, but you guys know what I mean. I know yeah. it's never been done, but would they do a zombie fighting a shark? I think that's mm. too unreasonable. They'd never have a zombie fight a shark. Yeah, I don't think that's possible. I gotta say, having no. not seen this movie, but having seen Zombie like 50 times, the way that the iconography of Jaws is just like borrowed directly for that mm. scene in Zombie is amazing. Like all the boat stuff is straight out the same shots. So that's yeah. cool. Mm. Although I'll say the zombie underwater stuff was way scarier than any of the like these, I don't know, Seeing it on your screen, tension building scary. I felt like Zombie was scarier than anything in Jaws because there's never a moment when you're under the water and the shark is coming slowly and you can see it and it's Mm. building the fear. It's always the jump out because they can't do it with the robot shark. Right. Just a different way to do it. Well, they they do get you on the chum scene when he does the you're going to need a bigger boat. Oh, yeah. Like that's a jumper. Then you're yeah. expecting it. After that happens, you're expecting it to happen at least three or four more times. When I like jump scares, and Zombie doesn't really have as many effective jump scares. They're more like shutter scares, Cringy. right? It's just like, yeah. oh, that, that happened. Oh, that happened. <laughs> uh, but Jaws doesn't have that moment where like the shark swims by your swimmer and like nothing is happening yet except for anticipation, right? Because when the two are in the water together, it's already bashed in his cage and all these things. Right. Just different flavors. Well, you do of some scary. of that towards the beginning, like I guess after the second attack, when it goes into the bay and Brody's son is swimming and he goes in the shock. They do that, but they're not showing the shark then. Right. It's just all camera POV. Yeah, it just passes. There's room in the world for both of those movies. Honestly, Zombie Two is a better Jaws Two than either of the Jaws sequels. <laughs> so. Mm. I say this without seeing them, but I'm pretty clear. What's funny is Spielberg actually had the same problem with Jurassic Park that he had with the shark. Because, well, they did a lot of practical effects in Jurassic Park, so they would kind of mix in CGI with the animatronic stuff. 
And there were the scenes with the T-Rex happening in the rain, and the thing would actually start to shudder from the water hitting it, and it would it would just start shaking, and they would have to go towel it down, blow dry it, get it, <laughs> get it, so it wouldn't shake during the scene. So they were having the same problems, but they just wound up, they had CGI then, so they could just remedy whatever was not working. They would just do it with the computer. That T-Rex was a real Barbra Streisand. Mm, yeah. Mm. Needed a bowl full of green M&Ms. Such a diva. We need the T-Rex. She won't come out of our trailer. Well, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad too. Yeah, and it's one of those movies where you, you can watch it over and over and over again, and it, it doesn't get old. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen it probably 50 times. And just watching it, if you, especially if you watch it with new people. Then you're experiencing it through them, so then it kind of makes it more enjoy- enjoyable. Now, we haven't talked about the music very much. Mm. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, it doesn't do as much riffing on the two notes that I was hoping it would. It's, no. It's a lot more complex, and it moves around a lot more than I remembered from my impression, so I was pleased. Yeah, it's a lot. actually, it's kind of sprawling. Some of the orchestration of it is very... Um, it's epic. Yeah, it's kind of epic when it's yeah. you would expect just those little, you know, keys, but then it, it kind of goes John L. Williams on you, and it's very, it's almost like flight of the flight of the aviator kind of. And I don't think I can just sing the name of the movie to the song on this one. So good job, John Williams. Mm. This is before Star Wars, right? So he hasn't figured that trick out yet. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Actually, the title of this movie is one syllable. Yeah. So you could pretty much. Jaws. Sing Jaws to any melody? Yeah. Maybe. Hey, it's Dan in post. I think Travis is right. I think it's Jaws. Jaws. Anyway, back to the show. Definitely. <laughs> I'm going to send you a link real quick, guys. Oh, boy. Okay. Here we this go. Is shark Jallo. It's a Shark Jallo. Yeah, I, I kept waiting. Shark Jallo. I honestly, guys, <laughs> I honestly kept waiting for the moment. Where is he wearing a sack on his head? You'd hear a knock at a door, <laughs> and they'd open it and be a shark in a trench coat. I was like, oh, come right. on. Give me a shark yeah. in a trench coat. Land shark. <laughs> yeah, I had to wait for SNL for that gig. Come on. Yeah, they did that. Land shark. So I sent you guys a clip from Light the Fuse, Sartana is coming. Now, Sartana is a, or Sartana, I don't speak Italian. Sartana. Uh, Sartana is, uh, sure, we'll go with that. Uh, James Bond in the Wild West. Instead of a PPK, he uses some weird-looking four-shot Derringer, but he's suave, and he gets the ladies. And Anyway, they made like five of them over the course of like two years in the 70s, and they sold pretty good. But just check out this clip from Light the Fuse, Sartana is coming. So I had George and Travis watch the clip. I'm going to link it in the show description, show notes. It's basically one minute of a cowboy going through the woods and the Jaws theme playing in the background, but five years before the Jaws theme. But as you'll hear, there's a little bit more to it, and and George actually kind of dug it. But uh, yeah, 1970-ish, and you've got the same... It's pretty cool. And also, uh, it's a fun movie. Do you hear anything familiar, boys? Mm -hmm. I do, yeah. Little Jaws theme. Isn't that cool? Yep. That's from Mm -hmm. 1970. Uh. Bruno Nicolai did the score for that. And yeah, it's got a cool little fuzz yeah. guitar and then 
It's just not graceful, but it's not graceful like oh, no. his, because he uses the full orchestra. But that sounds gritty as hell. Oh, it's a gritty movie. That's, that's a good. Really that's a good well. horror horror icon kind of music. I like the creepy, high pitched, squeaky stuff too. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a cool score. It's a good movie. Uh, well, okay, it's a, it's a movie that I like. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Neves Navarro. Neves Neves Navarro. Uh, a lady from a lot of the Jollos I like. She is in that as well. So it's it's a lot of people you hmm. know if you watch a lot of Jolly. But at the same time, it's got the Jaws theme five years before Jaws. So that's fun. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it does. You should probably uh, interview John L. Williams and tell him that his music came from <laughs> a Western. When did you first see uh, Bruno Nicolai right. movies? Was it in film was school? Was it in film school? <laughs> oh, it was. Oh, you didn't ever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. It's good to have fun on this show, boys. Yes. <laughs> I found that a few months ago, and I was like, oh, damn. I know when we're doing Jaws, I got to send this clip to Travis. Yeah, it's funny. Da-na. Yeah, but I mean, I probably would not have, I mean, the, the tempo and the, what, what would be the word for the... Uh, well, the arrangement is that's completely all... different. The tempo right. is different in that it's like Jaws and then a break. Jaws well, the and Jaws, then a break. Yeah, the Jaws, the Jaws tempo isn't consistent either. Right. It's obviously it speeds up as the shark gets closer. That's tempo. Like but I timing. wouldn't have put the two together because of the, the grit in that song. I wouldn't have connected it. But there's all, this, the, I hear I hear that kind of stuff all the time. I'm like, oh, this you know, this two notes or this, you know, three note line is the same in this song as it is in that song, but it there's only so many notes. Right. And so so many combinations. But in this one, actually I kinda maybe I like that better. Well, mm-hmm. I don't want to say I like it better because they're two different movies. I think the Jaws sticking on the da-da, da-da, it works for this movie. And it's a it changes tempo and it builds Right, to exactly. Right. That, it, it totally works. This, what you just showed us, Dan, was like, it had those two notes together as a, I don't want to say like a turnaround because it's not really a turnaround, but it was a, a little something and then a, and then da-da was like mm-hmm. the, you know, the theme. Well, and what's funny is it's got that same half-step interval thing that, you know, the Metallica that sounds like Friday the 13th, all of them rely on that half-step kind of chromatic scale. You know, it just, it sounds menacing to go from one note to the next note up real quick. But the way it's arranged with like, you know, the low part and then like the squeaky high part, it kind of reminds me of what Korn was doing in the early 90s where they didn't have a rhythm and a lead player they had like a bass guitar like a a a lower range but not a bass seven string guitar and then like a treble guitar like it's the same it's same kind of thing only like less shitty and not on meth (laughs) allegedly since you like doing that that i i like doing that with carpenter movies because you know he's so he has such a style and Every song in every movie sounds like something from his no- another movie he did. Like when you hear, if you when you see Christine, you can hear Halloween in Christine, but he just kind of changes. The, obviously, he changes the arrangement, but it's 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 the same instruments, it's the same mentality, the synth, everything he yeah. does. But it's just it's different, but the same. And I feel the same way whenever Dan shows me something like that. It's like 
they're they're either completely stealing it or it's so common that other people can use it and not even realize they're taking it. Mm-hmm. You you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but then you're obviously they obviously were inspired by and or completely influenced by. Yeah, <laughs> there's not many coincidences, especially when they're so close in in time frame. Now, if it happened the same year, eh. ooh, but that's always fun. So there's a well, I can't we can't talk about it yet, but at some point when we do a future episode. We can talk about the movie that came out the same year as the movie we're talking about and has the same character name and setting for the bad guy. Mm. But like Oh my goodness. It's almost impossible that they could have known right about the other one except that like it's so specific, right? It's it's almost like down to like I don't it it breaks <laughs> every rule of the you know there's no such thing as coincidence, right? Right. It's the same actor. I cannot think of a way that this would happen <laughs> unless somebody literally had each other's notes at the time, but it's like in the genre that we're going to be talking about, it's like I don't think that's the... just wait, guys. Well, little anticipation for later. When when you look at movies like American Werewolf in London was being filmed pretty much the same time that The Howling was being filmed. And Rick Baker was supposed to do one of them and didn't and so then they got somebody who used to work for rick baker and then he kind of was involved in it so a lot of the things being done in the howling the transformations and everything is kind of the same as the transformations in werewolf so it almost looks like they're stealing from each other but they're both kind of using the same ideas because it's so cutting edge like it's interesting to see that because it, it, didn't those two movies turn out like completely different though they're two completely different movies yeah but the 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 effects there's a lot of similarities are very similar yeah the werewolves are totally different but the effects are di- are are very similar is there a name for that thing in hollywood where you get like a howling and an american werewolf in the same year where they're like competing kind of racing to get the idea out the door kind of a deep impact armageddon yeah, kind of thing <laughs> i was just going to say deep impact well and what was the you know the prestige and the illusionist came out like yeah. almost simultaneously prestige is my jam. We'll watch that someday. But like, what is that called? What do you call that when it's like market saturation by design? I don't know. It happens a lot though. It's fun. But that's different than what we were talking about before, but it is also an interesting thing because yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The Howling is really I think cool. vo- Volcano Volcano came out the same time as um, uh, Dante's Peak. Oh yeah. <laughs> like they, they, I mean, they, they do that a lot. That's it's weird. just a matter of what cast do you have? What's your story? Are you going to do a uh, an epic um, Armageddon story, or are you telling the story of the this family in the same situation? So, it, and that's what makes them different. Like Dante's Peak is more about the seismologist and her family trying to get out before the place blows. And uh, what's the other one I said? Um, Volcano is more just like an epic disaster film where who cares who's in this movie? We're just going to blow shit up. Was that a Roland Emmerich? Because that sounds like a rolling. No, memory. I think it was before him. He he, he didn't kind of. I think Independence Day was like, or Stargate was the first movie that he kind of brought, and then Independence Day. Have we lost but, George? Yeah, I think I feel like we've lost George. No, I'm just listening. Mick I'm absorbing. Jackson. Who is Mick Jackson? The bodyguard. If you had told me that the guy that did the bodyguard did Volcano, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Wow, those are two completely opposite movies. I mean, they both... It's like directing uh, Texas Chainsaw and then directing Jaws. I don't know. They're both trying to control a hot mess. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) 
You're weird. Uh, I used to harass my child because my oldest would refuse to go to bed. And so I'd pick him up, kind of like a Cain and Abel kind of thing, you know, carrying him like that. And if if he got too whiny, I'd start shrieking out, I will always love you. And I'd say, I'm going to bodyguard you, man. If you don't go to bed, you're getting bodyguarded. (laughs) And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'd start singing it, and then he'd be mad. How off key? Oh, it's not. It's well out of my register, man. Okay. It was just. <laughs> I was shooting skeet. It was just Ugh. up in the air. Who knows? But it was fun and it was effective. After a couple what, of those, you're not an operatic ten- tenor. You're not. <sighs> you, you can't harmonize with the 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 great Whitney Houston. I don't know, man. What getting older <laughs> over the past? I'll say over the past ten years, I've probably my my singing voice has dropped a full step. Mm. Like I can hit a full step lower than I used to, but also I can't hit the high notes anymore. So you gotta squeeze them, <laughs> squeeze something. <laughs> uh, did you ever do the Universal Ride for Jaws? You you never have been down there. I've never been down there. I've, I've oh, okay. never been to Florida. Uh, it's a shame they they've they've removed it, but it was what? there for thir- thirty years. They took it out. But it it was so good. It was this movie in a in an eight minute ride. Yeah, <laughs> it was really well done. And then every every uh, person that wrote drove your boat because it was a river ride, and you had a guide who would take you down through Amity. And every employee who drove the boat, they really weren't driving it, but they all had their lines they had to say their reactions, what they were reacting to, all that stuff. So they all had the same script. Mm-hmm. But you could spend a good day continuously doing that ride and getting a different ride every time because the person who was your boat captain right. was either Nicolas Cage, <laughs> like just <laughs> playing it to the people in the back of the room, or like somebody who was like really mousy. Like, it, to me, it was a different experience, but it's, it's a shame you can't experience that ride anymore because it's, it's, it's right down to the animatronic sharks. There's like three of them in the ride, yeah, and they come out at different points. You can watch it on YouTube. You can go watch the Universal Jaws ride. Maybe I will. But the the guides are funny. It, it was something I when I was younger, I was like, oh man, I would love to do that job. That would be fun to just do this all day, this eight minute ride for twenty times. I probably would lose interest, but the first week would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> doing my character stuff. You would have to start doing your own different characters you you could tell the guys that were community theater actors that were using their character study and this and that you know what was i doing five minutes before i got on this boat kind of kind of mentality right and then the people that were just phoning it in they were boring but the guys that were like nicholas cage every time just knowing it's different people every time it kind of gives you that extra push no what, what i was saying what you would do is you would try to play that character like 20 different times a day like Absolutely. 20 different, different characters. Ways, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be exhausting. Doc Brown drives the boat. <laughs> it's a shark party. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. What, what size is that shark? I'm feet in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, your, I'm your guy, James Gum. That, yeah, that would be pretty fun. Shark's got to be at least a 14. <laughs> You're going to enjoy Skate's this ride. Be... It's going to be awesome. <laughs> the shark's going to be Skate huge. The shark's going to be huge. <laughs> Make sure you get your face closer to the windows. Closer, uh, please. Closer, Don't please. worry. We've got a big, beautiful boat. <laughs> 
Let's get it. We'd get a big, beautiful door. <laughs> we don't have a chopper. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it as Homer Simpson. Oh, that would be hilarious. Oh man, that's the YouTube content we anyway. need, man. Go over, I find yourself you a uh, YouTube video <laughs> of the ride, and then do new and voiceovers. Just voices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Commit to an entire video of each one, though. You got to do the whole ride as each yes. person. Oh, that, that would be tough. You've got an abundance of free time. Check that out. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I have all that free time. <laughs> no. Everybody get your hands and feet in a boat. <laughs> I told you not to do Oh, it would be funny. Oh, yeah, I might have to do that. I'll look into it. There you go. Right, right before I remake uh, Clerks. Ah, uh, we gotta we gotta do Clerks before Clerks three comes out and steals our thunder, <laughs> and it gets sold in a, as an NFT, and I still don't know how that works. <sighs> we were just talking about that. The yeah, NFTs, the NFTs. Uh, Isn't that like natural family planning? I don't know. <sighs> I feel like NFTs are gonna be like pogs. Yeah, <laughs> ten thousand dollar pogs. Yeah. <laughs> Check yeah. out this Matisse I bought for yeah, Ugh. or like Pokemon cards. Like yeah. At some point, like the Charizard was back, like a thousand dollars, and now it's just like, oh, nobody cares about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you can get that <laughs> in a cereal box now. So like garbage pail kids now. <laughs> need a Charizard. <laughs> Magic the Gathering. George, Ugh. did we scare you with a shark? No, not at all. Yeah, it didn't scare me either. It was pretty cool. I can imagine it would be scary to like kids, but you can tell why a, an entire generation was afraid to go in the water for a while. Because yeah. a, it's based on a true story. B, Quint's story scares the shit out of you when he talks about how they just swim around and just pick you off one at a time because they're natural yeah. creatures yeah. and they could technically this could happen. Maybe not a man eater, but you don't know when you're in the water if something's well, swimming by. And there's well, in order to make this movie more stressful, there's a lot of misinformation. Yes. Like things, you know, you just, I know how rare mm-hmm. shark attacks are. And like, you know, the consensus is generally that like when a shark attacks, it's because it thinks you're a seal. Right. And as soon as it realizes you're not, it's like, oh. They put you back. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like a you know when people say, well, pit bulls are this, but you know the nastiest dog there is is a yorkie, and and I'm like, yeah, but when a yorkie bites you, he doesn't. Yeah, (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna survive. But you know, like they had to make, you know, they had to use that, you know, the a couple of things that you know just weren't true to make you. Or maybe we didn't know those things weren't true back then in 70-something. I don't know. It all depends on what, what, how you want to look at it. Like, I believe it's so rare. Like, I even told the kids because I was afraid they were going to say they never wanted to go in the ocean again. So the first thing I told them was, first of all, more people die per year from cows, cow attacks, than ever a shark. That's attack. true. And B, I explained. I'm like, just Why kidding. Do you... I don't know if that's true. No, it is true. Okay. I think it's like eight cows kill you know, someone people. Every year. What do they yeah. sit on them or kick them, Tr- uh, trample them or whatever? I mean, if we count heart disease, well, yeah. That, oh I mean, God, well, <laughs> that, that's totally different. Uh, but yeah, they are they are pretty much you know killing people like crazy with their meat compared to sharks. Compared to sharks, yeah. 
And I told him about the raft and how you're usually you get attacked because you look like food floating on the surface. So yeah, that's yeah. Surfers get get attacked. That's a lot the information people like need to hear. Yes. But there are cases where an attack does happen, whether it's a man eater or not. That's probably more in like Australia or whatever. But yeah, it's usually just surfers on their board and whatever, and they're tasting you. <laughs> But their tasting is a little different than what ours is. Yeah, and they, you know, once they realize that you're, what's that canned fish shit? Oh, <laughs> the Sturmanen, I don't speak. Uh, yeah, Swedish. once once they realize that you're Sturmanen fish, right. then they're like, oh, Sir it Strumming. smells bad. Unfortunately, Sir the Strumming. damage is done by then. Yeah, a bit. I don't there, know. Like, I'm not movie... minimizing. Anyone who's listening to the podcast that's been bitten by a shark, mm. I apologize for what I'm about to say. Generally, they they just bite you once, and yeah. it's like done. But when it's a twenty five footer, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> like you can, like you can survive it usually, right? Right, like yeah, you know. Generally, I mean, there's, there's that girl that lost her arm. I mean, it happens. Yeah, but it's not. It's nothing to be completely scared of. There was a movie that came out in the '90s called Ghost in the Darkness, and it was about two lions in Africa that in the '40s, I think that completely became man-eaters and were just, like, picking villagers off, like, every day. They were just... Yes. It's a true story. You're watching it and you're going, this would never happen in real life. I see lions all the time at the, at the zoo. They're not going to do this to me. But then when you say to them, this is based on a true story and this did happen in this village, the body counts high on it, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen all the time. It's just something that happened. These two lions, they basically, you know, got rid of them eventually. But they did. They had a pretty good high body count. So you don't know if that's ever happened in the shark world, but it's the, the numbers are so low that, yeah, it's inflated because of the movie, kind of makes people think it happens a lot, which it doesn't. But there right. is the, the, the original book is based on a true story of this happening. So it's like, eh, you know, fiction is, you know, truth is stranger than fiction sometimes, but it's obviously embellished. I really want to, to make, make Jaws yeah. 2 now. <laughs> hmm. Well, Dreyfus is still alive. Let's do it. Brody's not. Write it. Shaw's not. Write it well, up. Well, he's not alive anyway, but. <laughs> his spirit could they come They should back. make a movie with Dreyfus. Maybe his psychological, he's now a psychiatrist dealing with people's, uh, you know, he's dealing with his, what he experienced. I just love his character. Does he have like I, a shark bite support group? I don't know, like AA. Maybe he's but like maybe he's working with P- PTSD uh, patients. Shark bites anonymous. Not just shark bites. Maybe all bites. I don't know. I just love his character. Me too. But then he pops up a few more times in the movies we watch, so we get a lot of Dreyfus. Oh yeah, nice. we'll see him again. I think we ought to tell George where we're headed next time. We're gonna give you a little treat. Okay. Uh, we had an agenda or a syllabus, but we're going to kind of go off it a little bit just to kind of show you this movie. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. I'm just going to give you the name. Okay. That's how we're doing it, Dan? Just That's the name. how we're doing it. Okay. Our next event, Clive Barker's Hellraiser. 87. 87. Okay. Do, you know, do you know who Clive Barker is? No. Do you know who Hellraiser is? No. Does anything spring to mind visually? I yeah. When you say Hellraiser, I 
I see like I see big guns and I see like uh like a black trench coat kind of like badass kind of guy, but also like kind of matrixy maybe. Okay. Like that kind of thing. I think but I I think he's kind of got the right idea. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear am me I, smiling am i way off <laughs> that was almost as epic as the i i ain't seen rocky <laughs> where we both went wait a minute that's wait, good what? that's good i so then i have the yes. the, the worst <laughs> that's good oh, we should oh. do this more often yeah, guys it's this a vigilante movie about a guy in a trench coat <laughs> I mean, you're uh, ready for it. Let's just put it in right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he figured half of it out already. Oh. Shit. He's getting mm. good at this. He's getting real good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, on that note. Yeah. On a lot, dude, mm. a lot, dude, a lot of times... <laughs> You're like, what do you expect from this movie? And like, I just have no idea. That's, I mean, I just like that you I, had some I, idea. It's gold. About it. it was great. Yeah, I expect some hell, and <laughs> some raisin. <laughs> no, but like, what was it? What did I see like recently? It had like, uh, it had a Han Solo in it, uh, but it wasn't a Star Wars movie. What's that? Like Indiana name? Jones, like Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, but it was a, uh, it was like a futuristic like robots in space yeah blade runner dude that movie was nothing at all like i thought it would be right. nothing and i thought like i was like oh yeah blade runner i know what blade runner is all about i did not you had no idea i did not Some so say that that's happens the same... a lot dude yeah you guys good. are like yeah hey, with this title and i'm like oh yeah i think i know about that i don't mm, like first blood zero <laughs> yeah exactly first blood i don't know i think we had to do the first blood know. procedure again so don't look at the DVD, <laughs> don't look at the case, have your wife put it in, hit start, and then you watch the movie. Okay, we'll do. And hopefully she leaves the room. Such a good, op- <laughs> such a good opening, too, so that's good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this. Oh, gosh. Very good. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at at RemedialFilmPod. You can email us at RemedialFilmPod at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube and every podcatcher imaginable from Apple to Spotify to Amazon. Why not? Do them all. Doesn't hurt. We also have such sites to show you at Facebook.com slash RemedialFilmPod and even a group facebook.com slash groups slash remedial film pod where you can make fun of George for not knowing what Hellraiser was. We'll be back next week with Clive Barker's 1987 bondage S&M horror multiverse multiple dimensions Beetlejuice for grown-ups sex movie Hellraiser. Hellraiser.